The title of the message this morning is The Interruptions at Christmas. Did you realize that Christmas was an interruption? Now, I'm not talking about our Christmas. I'm not talking about the interrupts from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. Did you realize that Christ coming to this world was an interruption to all of everyone's expectations, to the Roman, the Roman uh, census, to that of the culture, the city of David in Bethlehem, the angels out keeping flock at night, the wise men, the astrologers who were studying the stars, that it was an eruption to everyone involved except for God. It was the planned event to grab hold of the heart of the world and to bring about a gift that is beyond imagination and beyond description. And you find that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. And beginning there in verse 18 is the nativity of the Messiah. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now you can interpret that because of the pride of this man, he could not look any other way and thought that she had been unfaithful to him and therefore, out of grace, he's going to dismiss her from his life. But after he had considered these things, Thankfully, the the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, prophet Isaiah, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. In John chapter 1, verses 1, it says the word, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became God. In verse 14, and that word tabernacled among us, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, He married her and did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Now, this is a major interruption in Joseph and Mary's life. They're going about life in betrothed. They're engaged. They're looking to the future. You know, and cultures are different, yes, from year to year and from century to century and from decade to decade. We know that cultures are always evolving. But there's that one thing remains. I love you and you love me. And let's spend the rest of our lives together. So during the process of our courtship and dating, here is the bride and here is the groom. And they're planning their their marriage. They're planning for that one day to be the perfect day where the weather is right, the breeze is right, there's no rain in the sky, and everything is perfect. No one is sick. Everyone is happy. The stress is low. Everything is perfect. And they plan for that day. Now, we realize none of that really happens. 
And so they plan for that perfect day. They're no different. Now, it may not have been the elaboration of a great venue that they're planning, nor is it going to include a whole long list of guests that they'll mail out through post, postcards or through the mail or through an invite through Facebook or what other social media they had. <laughs> it, it was nothing like that. But it still was the big day that Mary and Joseph, bride and groom, were going to be united in holy matrimony and celebrate life for the rest of their life together as man and woman. An interruption came. Oh, my goodness. What do you mean you're pregnant? Oh, my goodness. How am I, as a male, going to deal with you? That's basically the whole attitude. And so here is the interruption in that first Christmas that we come to realize, focus on, and celebrate. We all have high expectations of Christmas. We, we want everything to be just right. We have pictures in our mind of children playing in church, church choirs, beautiful music, people smiling, families getting along, beautiful uh, uh, food gatherings as well, and wonderful sense of Christmas season. A middle-aged woman posted her Christmas wish on the refrigerator for her husband to read. Rather than listing certain items that she wanted for Christmas, she rather she made something very simple. She, her request was, just get me something that will make me look beautiful. So when Christmas rolled around, she expected to open the beautiful package of some expensive clothing that she could wear and she could you know, parade herself in in beauty. To her surprise, out in the garage in this large, big package was an exercise bike. <laughs> Expectations don't always turn out as we think. Many of us, I think, feel that way at Christmas. You know, it's supposed to be the most wonderful, happiest time of the year. You know, the, as Hallmark says, the best Christmas ever. You know, it's interesting. One father called a family conference at the beginning of the Christmas season and he gave his expectations. He says, I want every one of you to know what I expect this year. I want this to be a wonderful Christmas season for us as a family. They are to be kind to one another. They're to spend more family time to one another. They are to be wise in the amount of money they spend on gifts. And he ended the speech with the rally cry, let's make this the best Christmas ever. Second grade son, but dad, I don't see how we could ever improve on that first Christmas. I mean, what a profound statement from a child who understands the real meaning of Christmas. As we look at the Christmas season, it's a time for peace. It's a time for harmony, and it's a time of joy. It's a time without turmoil, but that first Christmas was not that way. In fact, it was filled with interruption after interruption. I want to say this on the onset. And this came from our Sunday school class a couple weeks ago that we shared together, and I love this statement, that the interruptions that come in our life may just be where Jesus is revealed. Now, that first Christmas was an interruption, and guess what was revealed? Jesus. So always remember that when you're going about life and everything is running smooth, 
And all of a sudden you get this news that it's not going as well as you think it is, whether it's in life, your work, your marriage, your family, your, your finances, your, your health, whatever it is. Remember that that interruption just may be there so that we together can see Jesus greater than we have been seeing him. That God is awaiting something grand in your life to reveal Jesus. The interruption that came to all the world was about the revealing of Jesus. It was not about Mary being pregnant. It was not about Joseph's attitude. It wasn't about the angels. It wasn't about the wise men. It wasn't about the animals. It was about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus. That's all that matters. So let me give you something about interruptions. I'll give you four things about these interruptions. So how do you handle the interruptions in your life? That's the question that you're going to ask yourself and you're going to answer over the next few minutes together. Of how do you handle the interruptions in life? When I'm studying this and presenting this, I'm constantly answering this same question. How am I going to handle the interruptions in life, whatever they are and whenever they come? It's something that we'll always have to answer for the rest of our lives. And so first of all, let's talk about those interruptions. Number one is interruptions can happen at any time. They come when they're not supposed to come. Someone says that life is what happens to us while we're making other plans. Think about that statement. Life happens to us, it happens to all of us while we're making other plans. And consider the timing of Joseph and Mary and that that interruption that came that Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married and like Christmas, engagements are supposed to be the magical time of their lives. But it wasn't during, it didn't happen in their lives. An angel appeared to Mary though and told her, says, Mary, that you're going to have a miracle It's going to be that you are going to be a virgin mother. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son. And hallelujah, that son is going to be the son of God. It is going to be the son of man. He's going to be the prince of peace. He's going to be the wonderful counselor. He is the Emmanuel. He is Jesus. I mean, what an interruption. (laughs) How could she explain it to Joseph? Would he even believe her? Well, we know he had trouble. Who wouldn't? He didn't believe her at first, but we know he does. Yet she's accepted it, and yet it's through the dreams that Joseph finally gets it. As the angel affirms to him in that dream, Joseph, this is not something random that has happened. This is not an accident that has happened. It's not something that was beyond uh, your thoughts here. It is God at work. It is a divine interruption in life that's going to change the world for the rest of the world's life. It's going to change the destiny of people. It's going to give hope to the hopeless. It's going to give sight to the blind. It's going to get food to the hungry. It's going to quench the thirst of those who are dying of thirst. He's going to be the bread of this world. He's going to be the vine that keeps us connected. He's going to be the shepherd that cares for us. It is the Emmanuel. It is God in flesh. Joseph, get a grip. You're going to father the son of God. 
You're going to be the father figure on earth for this son of God. And so we understand that he, he, he grabs, he gets hold, he gets a hold of him and he grabs a hold of it himself. And he, he rejoices over what is going to do and what God is going to do and what's going to happen. It's funny though, interruptions come at the most inopportune times, doesn't it? You know it's going to be a bad day when your 60 minutes team crew shows up in your office. Or you call the suicide hotline, they put you on hold. You turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of the city. Your twin sister forgot your birthday. Your car goes off right when you're traveling in the midst of a group of Hell's Angel motorcycles. Your boss tells you don't bother taking off your coat. Or your income tax check bounces. You put both contacts in the same eye. You know it's a bad day, you know. Joseph saw this as a bad day that turned into something grand. And those interruptions can happen at any time. And he understood that life happens to, happened to him while he was making other plans. Number two in the interruptions is that interruptions call for a response as it did for Mary and as it did for Joseph. Both of them were asked, what are you going to do with this news? And Mary had to say, let it be to me. Let it be your will be done, not mine. The same words basically that Jesus said on the cross that he learned from his mama. He says, let it, she said, let it be to me. I am your maidservant. I am the one who's here to serve you. Let your will be done, not mine. And Joseph had to wrap around his mind and his heart and say the same thing. Yes, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. I see you. I believe that you have brought a divine intervention, not to just Mary and I, but I understand this is a world situation. It is not just an Israelite situation. It is not a Bethlehem situation. And it's not going to be just an Israeli or a Judea situation. It is going to be a world situation. The interruption brings a knee-jerk reaction sometimes to where we make decisions and then we live with the regret of how we're now going to make up for the problems that we may have caused because we didn't respond right in the interruption. Now, there were two responses here. Mary could have said, no way, not going to be a part of it. I, she's not a puppet on the string. And if you believe that God allows us to have reason and make our own decisions in line with his will, then you've got to believe that Mary had the the wherewithal to say back. She could have said, no, Lord, I don't want this. And God would have found someone else. Joseph could have said, no, I'm going to divorce her anyway because I don't like this situation because as a male, I can't live with it in the culture that I am raised. They had every right to say no, but they said yes to God. And so we understand that there are reactions to every interruption, good and some are bad. I love the little illustration where a mother of eight children came home one afternoon from the grocery store and everything looked pretty much the same, though it was a little bit quieter than usual when she walked into the house. And five of her children 
were sitting in the living room on the floor, all in a circle, and all five of them each had a baby skunk in their hand. And so you can imagine Mama, as she walks in the door and realizes that they're having skunks uh, there in their midst, and she says, run, children, run. And so all five of the children began to run, grabbed their skunk as they ran, and you knew what happened next. They squeezed the skunk a little bit much, and you don't want to squeeze a skunk. We must be careful when we face an eruption that we don't react to it because it can lead to a major stink that we just can't get rid of. Number three, interruptions challenge us to get God's take on it. Interruptions, I call it the interruption challenge. Get God's take on it. You know, when something grabs us and, we, and we, we're taking that, that moment of where we collectively take in air and we say, oh my goodness. We get that call, the unexpected call, and we say, oh my goodness, I can't believe this has happened. Or we get a knock on the door and someone is standing there with some news and you're thinking, I can't believe this has happened. And we're at that point and we're just taken back a moment. It's almost like it's unreal that this interruption has occurred. And yet we've got to get God's take on it. It's not a time to where we run from God. It's a time that we fall down on our knees and we say to God, as the psalmist in Psalm 116, we talked about in Sunday school, offer a simple prayer. Lord, save me. Help me in my trouble. And so we get to that point. It's easier to run from that and say, I'm going to handle this on my own. And you get to the point and you say, I don't even know how to pray because I'm so hurt. But yet at the same time, we must get God's take on it. God, this is not something that has surprised you. There's not something that is beyond your understanding and your control. And, and so, God, I know that you knew about it before I did. So, God, I'm asking you, teach me what you're trying to teach me through this. Help me to draw closer to you. Help me to find your strength as I go through it. Help me to make the right decisions in my emotions that I'm facing. Help me to understand. Help me to make the, the, mental, the mental decisions that need to be made that exemplify you in character because I know that I'm created in your image and help me to reflect your image through this interruption of my life. We've got to get God's take on it. Joseph woke up from a dream, and he changed his mind. He got God's take on it. He spent some time. Yes, yes, God kind of swooped into his mind through a dream, but he, he helped Joseph to begin to think through spiritual issues to think beyond himself and to think about this world situation and not a Joseph situation anymore. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's what happens when we get God's take on it. Three keys to encountering interruption. Three keys in getting God's take on how we do that. Number one is this. Prayer. First thing we should do when life is interrupted is to stop and pray. Pray for guidance. Pray for courage. Pray for help. God's not going to run if you look at him and say, help me. 
That's where, where you have him the most is in those helpful moments of life. We see God at his best because when things are going smooth, we sometimes lose sight of the, the best of God. But during the turmoil of our lives, we can see the best because we're dependent more and we're trusting more. We're leaning more and we're, and we're seeking more. If you look in the dictionary, you will find this. You know, there is still a, a dictionary that you can buy. You don't have to go online. But if you, if you have one of those ancient books at home called a Webster's Dictionary, if you open it up, you will see these words. Worst, no, worse, worsen, worship, and worst. You see those four words together. Worse, worsen, worship, and worst. The difference between worse and worst is worship. So the first thing we need to do when the worst has happened so that it don't become even more worst than it is is seek God in prayer and worship God. Through that time of prayer, we can lessen the worst and it may just be worse. Does that make sense? So when you get God's take on it, it can help you. Number two is perspective. Put the interruption in proper perspective. How bad is it really? Why is the interruption really that a big deal in your life? Think about what, if any, can I learn from this major interruption? An interruption can help us to get a new perspective on what God is teaching us in life. Dan Jensen, an Olympic medalist, obviously, when he was nine years old, was competing at a youth national championship in Minnesota. He says, I was in good position to win the first national title, and yet when coming around a turn, they had set up, you know, in an amateur ring, this rubber hose that separated the lanes. And he tripped on this rubber hose just enough that caused him to stumble and lose the match by one point, which is a big deal in skating. He said, I started crying. I was crying when mom took my skates off. When I got in the car, we pulled up in the driveway. Six hours later, I was still crying. My father had not spoken for six hours along that ride. And when he was getting out the car, he walked around, opened the door for his son. He said, you know, Dan, there's more to life than skating in a circle. So you've got to get a perspective of what really is in your life. Number three, and I think is the top, is the providence. To realize that the interruption could be the providence of God. It could be a divine moment that God has created to happen in our life so that we not, we not have a magical experience with God, that we have a divine experience with God. Keep in mind that God in His providence is in control of your life and mine. Nothing can happen to you without the leave and the notice of the Father. He's still understands everything about us and all the hairs on our heads are even numbered. 
He knows everything about us. It's interesting, Romans 8 verse 28 sustains us when we realize that that God can take whatever happens in our life and turn it into the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's the realization of the providence of God. The interruptions can lead us to see God in a greater perspective. I firmly believe, as I said a moment ago in lighting that candle, the first person who walked into that manger, however way, way it looked, whether it was, whether it was a, a, a manger that we think of, a wooden structure, or a cave as we really think it really was, it still was a manger set aside, and yet Jesus was there, and he was in the hay. He was in a feeding trough. He was in the very humble setting, and yet when the first person that walked in and those thereafter walked in, they realized, wow, I'm looking at the face of God. Interruptions can help us see the face of God in ways beyond belief. During the grieving moments of our life, during the difficulties of our life, during the trying times of our life, during the times of questioning of our life, during the total upheaval of our life, moving from one culture to the next, everything can be times in our life that we see the providence of God. And number four and last, in thinking about interruptions, is that interruptions can redirect our lives. And not only interruptions can happen to us at any time, and it calls for a response, and it gives us a challenge to get God's take on it, but number four, the interruptions can redirect our lives. It can help us to see our lives in a new positive way. And that was true of Joseph and Mary. Their plans were interrupted, but what a wonderful interruption. (laughs) Can you imagine the wonderful privilege and the more challenging responsibility than to be the human parents of the Son of God? You know, the betrothal period was that they lived together, but they did not have intimate relationships with one another. That was the year of betrothal. So if they had a little living room setting and they decided not to sit at their little dining room table and they were going to sit there and and pick up a Hallmark movie and sit there on their little couch. And can you imagine Joseph punching Mary and saying, Mary, you realize that we are going to be the earthly parents of God? Wow. You see, the interruptions can redirect our lives to realize, wow, God's in this. I may not like it. It may be very unwelcomed and has been completely unexpected. But through this difficulty of my life spiritually, because I've gotten God's take on it and realize God is Lord of that event of my life, that, wow, God is seen beautifully. The interruptions help us. You remember I said a moment ago, the interruptions help us to see what? Jesus. So the interruption at Bethlehem was all about Jesus. There was Jesus to see his face and to see the Son of God and to experience the power of the birth of Jesus God in flesh, 
coming the tabernacle among the world. The Emmanuel, God with us. One man had been a chaplain on a cancer floor of a hospital, returned several years later as a patient. And someone asked him, why is it that only nice people get cancer? His response was, it's not that nice people get cancer, it's that cancer makes them nice. Interruptions can help redirect our lives. What some would perceive as an interruption might just be a directive hand of God tapping us on the shoulder, clearing his throat, and say, now that I've got your attention, look at me and let me teach you who I am. It was Christmas Eve. World War II was raging in Europe. A group of Polish refugees were being transported to a train station in Iran where they would be loaded on a ship headed for Mexico. These Polish people had been prisoners of war. The Russians had invaded their country some months before that Germany had invaded them, and the people were transported you know, into the interior of Russia. Victims of this war, once prosperous Christians, were reduced to living conditions that would be degrading to even slaves. From Poland to Iran, the graves of these people marked the road of where they were shuttered from one camp to another. And then being transported eventually, and this special train pulls up in the railroad yard. It's Christmas Eve, and it's about to slip into Christmas Day. And while the railroad crew were arranging to switch the cars of the refugees from the railroad yard to the jetty where the ship would receive them, one Polish man began to sing so ever softly. Another began to sing, another began to sing, and the singing just kept getting louder and louder until all the passengers on the train were singing. It was Christmas Day now. An American soldier working on the yard asked another Polish man who could speak English, what are they saying? And the man replied, they're giving thanks to God for the birth of his son. Amazing. Even in a railroad yard when life is reduced to nothing, who had suffered the horrors of war, were without a, even a homeland, had no friends and family, still took time on Christmas to give thanks for the gift of the son. Whatever interruption you may be experiencing this Christmas, there is one thing you can do. Stop and reflect. Give thanks to God for the gift of Jesus. Could it be that God is allowing a pandemic to grab the entire world so that we could see Jesus at Christmas? As you realize your interruption, take the time to recognize it not as a negative, but as a redirection. So what might God be teaching you and me? Do you need to surrender your heart to him today so that you can be in position of seeing Jesus and know that he is your God? He is God of your life, that he is real, that he was birthed just for you. And if you can fast forward your mind to the cross. He died on a cross just for you.
Thanks be unto God for all that he is and all that we come to know and all that we could ever imagine. Father, we give you thanks for all that you can make happen in our life that's beyond belief, beyond our own imagination, and beyond even the fathom of our faults. Knowing, God, that you are a God who who can take the, the least of our life and make it the most, that you can take the hurtful and make it joy, that you can take the rugged and smoothen it out, that you can take that which takes us by surprise and bring joy and clarity to the midst of our life. Father, we thank you that in the thirsty moments of life, you provide us water. In the hungry moments of life, you become our bread. In the times of searching, you become our shepherd. In the times of of just the, the humility of our life, that you step up as king. We give you praise. We give you thanks for all things. Thank you for being among us. Thank you for tabernacling within us. And thank you for being the God that directs our life and the future of our everlasting life. We give you praise in your name that we pray. Amen.